Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 120, It's Contagious. It's May 24th, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and podcaster. I'm also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is very difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any capacity. My music is by Howie Moscovich. It's contagious. Yes, some things are contagious, but I'm not talking about illnesses, viruses, bacterial infections, and so on in this podcast. And this podcast can help you better control your environment and help you be happier, which is why I'm doing it. Let's dive in. If you happen to be new to my content, you can visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com to enter my current giveaway, which I will be changing the text soon to call it a rolling giveaway so that people do not have to re-register every time I start a new giveaway. So we're learning as we go. As my disclaimer, I am not a medical professional, I am not a therapist in any capacity, and nothing that I say in this podcast or any of my other content, written, video, or whatnot, is designed or intended to be medical or therapy advice. You as a consumer should get medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider. Now, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you feel like your life is just simply too hard, too hard to bear, or you're struggling deeply, or you feel suicidal, or you've been thinking about harming yourself, I'm asking you to stop and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. What I promise you is that there is an extraordinary amount of help available and people will help you. So I am asking you to please make that phone call if you feel suicidal or life is too hard for you. People will help you. My next little piece here is for the deaf and hard of hearing community. I currently have transcripts for all of my existing podcasts on my hosting platform, rss.com. Within a few hours of a new podcast being published and live, a new corresponding transcript will be generated. And in the interim, I am working on my pronunciation, enunciation, <laughs> And speaking more clearly and at a better pace so that you have a more valuable transcript for your use. I ask for your patience. All right, let's get going. It's contagious. Well, there's a lot of things that are actually contagious outside of diseases, infections, bacteria, and other health-related conditions. So let's start with the definition of contagious. The dictionary definition of contagious is of or relating to contagion, transmissible by direct or indirect contact, and exciting similar emotions or conduct in others. So that's the definition of contagious. So let's look at the definition of contagion. Contagion is either a contagious disease, that's one definition, it can also is also listed in the dictionary as a poison, as in a contagious influence, quality, or nature, corrupting influence or contact. And the other definition is a rapid communication of an influence, such as a doctrine or emotional state or an idea that rap spreads rapidly. So in the realm of contagion, if you look in my friendly PubMed, P-U-B-M-E-D, which, by the way, is the government repository of all medical research that the U.S. government considers valid. 
So there are research pieces that are not included in PubMed. I have no control over that. But in the realm of contagion in PubMed, you can find behavioral contagion, emotional contagion, and social contagion. So behavioral contagion is the process by which others' behaviors are replicated. Emotional contagion, as it sounds, is the spread of emotions through crowds or other groups. And social contagion is the subtle and sometimes unwitting spread of emotions and behaviors from one individual to others. In this podcast, I'm focusing my content on emotional contagion, although some of it will apply to behaviors, because understanding this can help you protect your emotions, your well-being, and keep your life moving in a a positive direction. So for the definition I'm using for this podcast is exciting similar emotions or conduct for others. Now, it's interesting in PubMed that they had quite a few very interesting pieces on the idea of contagiousness and contagion at work. So for employers, they are looking at the research in terms of the workforce and the workplace. So my hope, of course, is that we have the contagiousness or contagion of growth and development, love and affection, happiness, and emotional and mental fitness, because that would change the world. So let's look at some of the things that are contagious already in society. We have good things, and we have some things that fall under the negative or bad things. So good things, love and affection. That's always good when love and affection is contagious. Kindness, generosity, happiness, laughter, compassion, personal growth and development, rational thinking, emotional intelligence, assertiveness, abundance mentality, empowering attitudes and beliefs, optimism, healing, and feeling worthy, deserving, lovable, and deserving of love. So those are all good things that would be amazing to be contagious. And you already know that many of those things are just naturally contagious, especially like laughter, (laughs) or actually even when someone's happy, that kind of spreads out. So what are some of the negative things that can also be contagious? Well, negative thinking and pessimism, a scarcity mentality, and that means like there's not enough of whatever in the world, so you better get yours because it's the opposite of abundance. Jealousy, envy, and resentment can also be contagious. Passive-aggressive or aggressive anger, domestic abuse and domestic violence, dysfunctional families, adverse childhood experiences, low emotional abilities, addictions, trauma, racism, discrimination of any kind, poverty, homelessness, bullying, mistreatment, violence, depression, anxiety, and suicide. So those are negative things that are going on in the world and in society that we don't want to be contagious. We don't want those things. So emotions, however, are one of the things that can be very contagious. And this is something that I learned at a young age in my professional career when literally all of my employers, when I was hired for a new position, a new professional position, indicated that one of the criteria that I met that they really were looking for was an enthusiastic, happy employee because they said that was infectious and it would positively impact the sales team and it was a very sought after trait. So what I do have though is to say that what we're not very good at in society, unfortunately, is dealing with our emotions. So No matter what's happening in your life, it's important that you begin to learn how to manage and process your emotions. Happy emotions, love, affection, joy, being elated. Most people don't need a great deal of help with those emotions because they're the easy emotions. It is when life is difficult and when you are dealing with sadness, loss, grief, anger, being betrayed, all of the difficult emotions is where people get stuck and stalled. 
So to help you, and I hope this is I hope this is helpful. Let's face it, people. I do these podcasts for you because I already know this. This is already how I live my life. Yes, I live my life by the things that I say and things that I suggest. I actually do them. So I just had my IT guy put up on my website uh, a diagram, and then there are uh, two or three word documents all attached in one downloadable file on how I manage and process my emotions. I have not, despite looking and looking and looking in PubMed and regular on the regular internet, been able to find anything remotely close to what I've put up on my website. If you go to my website at www.lisaalundy.com, whatever, you know, when that page comes up, the downloadable emotional processing diagram is right below the Newsweek logo. So it's on the right-hand side of the page. And you can download it and print it. And those are the things that I use when I am managing and processing my emotions. So on the emotional piece of contagiousness, and it's contagious, one of the things to start with for you is to start to notice after you've been someplace or after you've been with this person or that person or this group of people, how do you feel? Do you feel happy? Do you feel respected? Do you feel loved? Do you feel, you know, joyous and happy? Or do you feel tired? Do you feel criticized? Do you feel drained? Do you feel unhappy? You can use your emotions as a guide for looking at what's contagious and to help you start to begin to protect yourself and your emotions, which I will talk about in a little bit. But using your emotions can be a great guide for protecting yourself from the negative things in life that can be contagious. I mean, they're very, very helpful. And, um, you know, there will be times when you are at work and you can't deal with your emotions because you're at work and so you'll have to set them aside and deal with them later. But it is very important that you start to become awake and aware of the different people in your life and the different situations or environments and how you are left feeling as a result of either being around certain people or being in certain environments because that's going to be helpful. You hopefully want to have a happy and amazing life And sometimes there are people that after you are around them, you feel like you need a three-hour nap. So this is where you just start to wake up and become aware about how environments and people impact you emotionally. So the next piece, we're going to cover this in pieces, and the next piece is what I'm calling the ripple effect. Everybody pretty much knows what that is, but I'm going to give you the definition from the dictionary so we're all on the same page. The ripple effect is a spreading, pervasive, and usually intentional effect or influence, a situation in which one event produces effects which spread and produce further effects, or it's also a series of things that happen as a result of a particular action or event. The ripple effect you're familiar with when you throw a rock into a still body of water, it produces ripples. That's where the term comes from. And we have things in life that are positive ripples and things in life that produce a negative ripple. A bad manager at a company or organization, for example, typically, most often, will have the ripple effect of causing good employees to leave the company. That's a known effect of a bad manager. I do have a Newsweek article about bad managers that you can find on Newsweek.com. If you happen to have the unfortunate circumstance or situation of having a narcissist or a psychopath or a sociopath or someone with certain other mental health issues in your life currently or in the past, it is extremely likely and very predictable you will have the ripple effect from having that kind of person in your life that they will embark on character assassination, a smear campaign, very possibly stalking or electronic stalking, and a lifetime of troubles. That is the ripple effect of a psychopath, a narcissist, 
a sociopath and certain other, not all other mental health conditions, but some other mental health conditions. So you have a ripple effect on the people that you interact with and in the environments that you're in, whether you're aware of it or not, you, there's an effect. So what is the ripple that you leave in your wake? So when you're looking at yourself, it's, it's very interesting to start to consider what kind of ripple, what's your ripple effect? Well, I don't know what your ripple effect is. I, I know I'm interested in the love and affection ripple effect. I'm interested in the happiness, laughter, and joy effect. And I'm interested in the growth and development ripple effect. And, you know, a couple other ripple effects, people being healthy and happy. So what is your ripple effect? I have no idea, but it is a great question, isn't it? Like, how do you leave people? I know people have told me they, they feel very loved and they feel very cared for, you know, after spending time with me. I would love that to be my ripple effect for everyone. And of course, I know it's not because I'm also a truth teller and direct and some people don't like the truth. And some people really have an issue with being called out on bad behavior. All right. The next piece of this, which I also feel is very important because the topic is it's contagious, which is fitting in. And I've include I just feel very obligated to make an a mention of this because this is what puts you at risk for having negative things be contagious for your emotions or your well-being. So sometimes people will either tolerate or they will allow other people or situations or environments that that they're not really happy about because they feel pressured to fit in or they feel uh, this overwhelming desire that they have to fit in. And in those cases, their desire to fit in is higher than their desire to move away from said influences. And it's just important for you to know it's very reasonable that you want to fit in. I understand it. I, of course, would like to fit in. I just typically don't fit in, and I'm okay with not fitting in because what's more important to me is being authentic and real and true to myself. So sometimes I fit in and sometimes I don't fit in. So you want to look at the costs of fitting in because if you have to sacrifice who you are, as a person, or if you have to sacrifice your ideals or your values or something important, that's the cost to fitting in. And I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I, I will not give up my values. I will not give up my ideals, even if it means I don't fit in. I'm okay with not fitting in. I'm, I'm more interested in being authentic and real. So when it comes to being contagious, there is this piece about fitting in, which is important for you to have a consciousness or an awareness of, because if you become aware that you have this desire to fit in and you're in an environment that's really not good for you, that can be an opening for your awareness because you're conscious of it to say, you know, I, of course, like to fit in, but that's not an environment that's good for me. That is really, I, I come away from that and I don't feel good and I'm not happy and I need a nap and I, I'm upset for three days, what, what have you. It's important for you to begin to look at, is there a cost for you for certain people or environments in terms of when you feel like you want to fit in or you feel like you have to fit in? And there is nothing wrong with wanting to fit in or feeling like you have to fit in. There's just, it's just how it is for you. It's just not that way for me because I'm different. So that's the fitting in piece. You just become awake and aware. Do you have a desire to fit in? Well, most people do. And so that's fine. But is there a cost that you're actually paying for by changing your behavior or dropping your standards or ideals or, or just tolerating maybe bad behavior. I mean, like I've had people that have been 
made very racist comments in my presence, and I will not tolerate that. Oh, no. I don't care where I am on the public street of San Francisco. Someone says something like racist, and I am on that. I, that's, that's no. We're not having that. And that doesn't always make me fit in, and I don't care. I don't care about fitting in. I'm going to say what I have to say. But it's important for you to just become awake and aware. If you're sacrificing anything to fit in, what are you sacrificing and at what cost? And the next piece of this fits very well in the subject of it's contagious, which is kind of along the lines of fitting in, but it's different, which I'm calling the gang mentality. Because this is a uh, podcast on being contagious, I really have to lay this out, in my opinion, so that you are doubly awake and doubly aware. There is this sometimes gang mentality that will have a ripple effect in life. And gang mentalities can happen at work without question, in organizations, in clubs, in sports, and definitely in families and friend groups on a positive way and on a negative way. Even in neighborhoods, associations, all wherever there are people, you can have this kind of gang mentality. And, and there's pressure not only to fit in, but to go along with whatever the gang is saying. There's a lot of pressure in a gang mentality, usually led by someone. And I have to give this example because it just, it breaks my heart and it speaks loudly to me about what is going on in society that we can see publicly. So, and this, by the way, comes from a TV reality show whose name I will keep forever private. And uh, in this case, they had a group of approximately 15 people and 14 of the 15 people had, in my opinion, in my expert opinion, low self-esteem. And in my opinion, one of the 15 had healthy self-esteem, feeling good about themselves separate from, from other things. So here we have 15 people, one with healthy self-esteem and one with um, 14 with low self-esteem, one with healthy self-esteem. So what happened in that show was the gang mentality. The person who had the healthy self-esteem looked at situations and events and, and statements differently than the 14 people who had low self-esteem. Well, that's pretty much how it goes. Individuals, in my opinion, who have low self-esteem, that's a lens from which you filter life. You're filtering life through, I'm not good enough, I'm not deserving, there's something wrong with me, I, I'm not, you know, I'm just not okay. Whereas if you have healthy, and I'm going to call it healthy, standalone self-esteem, independent of your roles, independent of your job, independent of your circumstances, you have a different filter. Your filter is, I'm good enough, I'm worthy, I'm doing the best I can, nothing wrong with me. I mean, not like you're embracing your imperfections. So in this particular reality show, the 14 people who had, in my opinion, low self-esteem ganged up on the one person, in my opinion, who had healthy self-esteem, making them be the villain and the bad guy because, of course, they were a gang and they had agreement. The 14 of us agree, you're wrong, you're bad. And it was so pathetic. It was so outrageous. It was so heartbreaking. I, I just, I, I just, I just can't even tell you how, how deeply disturbing that was. And quite frankly, with 85% of the population, by all research accounts, having low self-esteem, that happens at work and that happens in families and that happens pretty much everywhere we have the, the low self-esteem population. So this is very important because, you know, you don't want to be part of a gang. And, and if you have low self-esteem, your thinking is going to be different than if you had healthy self-esteem. And so in the area of contagiousness, if you did not understand this dynamic, you could be left devastated. So in the example, the one person with healthy self-esteem, I believe, or I'm, you know, suspicious that they were left de devastated because they were vilified 
for having healthy self-esteem. Not that that's what the show was talking about, but that's the underlying issue. And so you understanding and getting your own mental and emotional fitness house in order then protects you from the gang mentality. Because if you have your mental and emotional health and fitness in order and someone says to you or 10 people say to you, oh, you're messed up, you will know you've got rational thinking, emotional intelligence, you've got healthy self-esteem, standalone self-esteem. You will know you are okay. You will know your own mental and emotional fitness. But this whole gang mentality is is at play in many situations where things are contagious, mostly some negative things. So the next question logically then is mental and emotional fitness contagious? Well, the answer to that depends. Like the, it, it depends. It depends. It can be. It can be contagious. So and it and it might not be contagious. So if you're dealing with a psychopath, a sociopath, or a narcissist, or some other uh, mental health diagnosis, they're not going to be contagious. They're not going to take the contagiousness of good mental health because they are not mentally healthy and they will avoid looking at their own inadequacies and mental health issues no matter what you do, in my opinion, most often. So, and, and by the way, people who are full-blown psychopaths, narcissists, sociopaths, or have certain other mental health issues will, in my opinion, take actions to undermine your emotional and mental fitness. They will, in my opinion. And that comes in the form of tactics of manipulation, emotional manipulation, abuse, outright lies, deceit, the whole, the whole shebang. And so what's important is that you get yourself in order. And my first piece, and I am apparently making up terms as I go along. I might have to have a little crib sheet on my website with my made up terms. But this makes sense to me, which is what I'm calling stand alone self-esteem. So don't go Google stand alone self-esteem because I do not believe you'll find all the words together. It'll probably come up on a search, but it will be stand alone and a sentence later self-esteem. I don't know. But really the place for people to work towards and move towards is stand alone self-esteem. It never even occurred to me until a couple months ago that people could have self-esteem but only attached to their career or their job or their family or a certain position in life or a certain amount of money in the bank. Like that never occurred to me because that's not how it's been for me ever. So it didn't occur to me that for some people, their self-esteem is tied to either a particular circumstance or situation or, or role or what have you. So standalone self-esteem is where you want to move to so that someone who has an unfit or is unwell emotionally or fitness or fit unwell mentally or emotionally unfit doesn't negatively impact you. And when I say standalone self-esteem, what I'm really saying is that you as a human being feel good about yourself you feel worthy, you feel deserving, you feel good enough. And I don't mean in an arrogant or self-aggrandizing way. I mean, you accept your imperfections, you accept that you're not perfect, and you're not even trying to be perfect because that's futile. But you feel good about yourself and you, and you know, you know, deep down that you are good enough. Even when people tell you, you are not good enough. You won't be susceptible to that because you've done the work and you know you're good enough. And especially if you're doing putting your best foot forward and doing your best work, then you will not accept people telling you you're not good enough. People will tell you that for sure, I would suspect. At least they have me. I have a lifetime of people telling me I'm not good enough. And I think sometimes I say something back and sometimes I just think in my head, oh, 
you're, you're sad. That's sad. It's very sad. So to protect your mental and emotional fitness, having standalone self-esteem is one piece. The other two pieces are rational thinking and emotional intelligence. So I have this position. So those are three things that I've had. I've had them forever. God knows how they step. I like that's a miracle. And, you know, my mental and emotional fitness has been under attack for almost as long. And when you have those three criteria, and of course, emotional intelligence is, is a broad term that involves five different structural pieces or five foundational pieces. So it's not just one thing. It's one term, emotional intelligence, but it involves self-awareness and involves empathy and understanding other people's emotions. There's a whole broad cat thing for emotional intelligence. But the combination of rational thinking, standalone self-esteem, and emotional intelligence basically, in my opinion, give you an armor against the contagiousness or possibility of contagiousness for someone who's mental, mentally or emotionally unfit and trying to influence you. You can always be susceptible to the influence of other people. But what I'm saying is the more you get your own emotional and mental fitness in order, the less susceptible you are to the contagiousness of someone else's irrational thinking. So I think that uh, two examples might help drive this point home. So in example one, you confront someone about a money issue. Maybe perhaps the family finances don't make sense, or perhaps you don't believe some aspect of the financial information that you have been given in sub-document or wet form, whatever. Now, this person responds to you with passive-aggressive anger, belittling you, demeaning you, dismissing your concerns, telling you that you are stupid, that you don't know anything about money, you are ignorant, etc. So, in this example, someone who has standalone self-esteem rational thinking, and emotional intelligence, this is how it would go for them in their head. Now, this is not something they say out loud. This is their reaction in their mind. Well, I put myself through college, working two to three jobs each and every year. I graduated from college and got a professional job. I bought my own car, paid off all my college debt all by myself while saving half of my income, creating a robust 401k for my age at the time, and bought a house all by myself without financial aid or support from anyone, clearly I know how to make money, save money, and budget my money. Clearly I know plenty about money. That's the kind of internal dialogue or conversation someone who had rational thinking, emotional intelligence, and, and standalone self-esteem would have in their head in response to this vicious, you know, demeaning, belittling behavior. Those are the three traits that would leave you, okay, now it never feels great to be belittled, demeaned, called names, told you're stupid. That never feels good. At the same time, when you know who you are, I'm talking about knowing who you are, and you know yourself, you really know yourself and you've done the work, that negative BS of that belittling, demeaning, name-calling rolls off of you in a very, very, very different way than if someone had low self-esteem or irrational thinking. It doesn't have the desired impact. There is a desired impact for someone who's being passive-aggressive when confronted about financial information. Of course, there's really no reason to be angry and passive-aggressive, unless maybe you're lying, but at any rate, that's a big difference that if someone had low self-esteem or lacked emotional intelligence or rational thinking, 
they could be left feeling very hurt, very wounded, and, and really it would really be a very, very negative impact. Now, in example two, you have some type of confrontation with a person about their behavior. The details don't really matter. It's not relevant. And they respond to your confrontation about their behavior with passive aggressive anger, ignoring the issue completely, and instead belittling, demeaning, and saying mean things to you like all you do is sit around and waste your time, you don't do anything, blah, blah, blah. You get the idea. So all the while, though, while this person is giving you a verbal tongue lashing, they happen to be standing in front of your master time management list, which you can see peeking out from behind them on one side. This is the type of internal dialogue or internal thoughts that a person who has standalone self-esteem, rational thinking, and emotional intelligence would have to that situation. Oh, how ironic. You are standing in front of my master list while saying that all I do is waste my time and do nothing. Who else has a master list to move their life forward and be up to something? Hardly anyone. Ha ha. That's funny. That's so ironic. You are a pathetic loser. Now, I'm not saying they would say that out loud. No, 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 no. no. You, don't, you don't talk to people who are on a, on a rampage that way. But in their head, they would know that there is no shred of truth to what they're saying. It's false and and it's obviously belittling and demeaning, but it's not true. Like the, So you would not be left with the same type of feeling disempowered and feeling hurt and feeling wounded. It's like watching a little kid act out when you know yourself. And this is important, that you get to know yourself and build your own emotional and mental fitness so that People who do bad things, people who act out, people who are cruel do not take you out of the game of life. I mean, it's not pleasant to have someone say, you don't know anything about money, you're stupid. That's not fun. That's not pleasant. At the same time, when you know there's no truth to what someone's saying, why would you let it bother you? I don't know. I mean, people say things to me all the time and it it's like, water rolling off of a duck, I could care less because I live in the truth and I work on myself. But you can see in these two examples, I hope, that a person who had low self-esteem that was being called names and mean things, that it would just kind of help them spiral downward. So this underscores the very significance and the importance of getting your own mental and emotional fitness house in order, which you can do by growing yourself, growth and development. It's all, it's all about growth and development. And if we changed about 10% or 20% of the population to get on the road for growth and development, guess what? There's a ripple effect for that. And I learned about that with one of the first people I coached who happened to be a young, very young person. And they told their mother and their aunt about the work we were doing uh, one, on one-to-one -one coaching. And then the mother, her mother and her aunt took on the assignments I was giving this young woman. And it had a huge ripple effect, which I did not know about, by the way, till our end of the year wrap up a year in review call, which she and I had started the week before the final call. And she did the same assignment with her mother and her aunt. So when I had her end of year call, she started telling me about how I had changed her mother and her aunt's life. And I said, I've never even talked to them. What are you talking about? So there's a ripple effect. When you take on your life, when you take on feeling good about yourself, separate from your circumstances, separate from your money, separate from your relationships, when you get to work on yourself and feel good, standalone self-esteem, again, that is a made-up term, that will change your life and it will have a ripple effect moving throughout the people in your life. Now, having coached enough people over a long period of time, uh, very often 
people won't say something right away. When they notice you're changing or they notice that you're doing something different, they might not say something right away. Some people will never say anything, but oftentimes later it will come out and someone will say, wow, you know, you look younger, you seem different, you seem happier, you know, eventually it will come out. And when people are sharing, well, this is what I'm doing, it gives people the opportunity to say, oh yeah, that sounds good. I might like to do that too. I don't know what makes me happy. But this is why one of my strong recommendations always is to take people with you. You're more likely to be successful. You're more likely to meet your goals. You're more likely, hopefully, to have fun and make it playful if you take people along. And, it, and it's amazing. So the next piece of this, and, and especially for parents like this is really important for parents because this is where we're really we're really messing it up in my opinion because a parent who takes on their own growth and development and shares it with their children can make a big difference for their children I, mean, I don't know that my kids remember the day I came home and said oh my gosh I have zero anger skills we're going to get going on that like I don't know if they remember that I remember that because I was so amazed like how did I get to be this old and not know I had no anger skills well guess what we live in a world where anger skills is dramatically missing dramatically sadly so it's especially important for parents and and if your parents do it great you get the byproduct ripple effect but this is important so the next piece about this whole idea of things being contagious is for you to protect your emotions and your space. Boundaries are one fabulous way that you can protect your emotions and your space and your environment and protect it from negativity, protect it from your values being tossed out the window or disrespected. Family dynamics is one of the hardest places for most people to protect their emotions and their space because families are where a lot of the bad things are, are happening and it's often where much or most trauma originates and it is also where some deeply unhealthy behaviors and treatments are dished out. When you get to work on ensuring your own mental and emotional fitness and you recognize, mm, yes, I, I really want to protect my emotions. I want to protect my space. And you start learning and growing, implementing healthy boundaries. That is going to change you and change your life. And sometimes families will not, they will not like it. And that's okay. I mean, you have to understand that if you're the scapegoat or you're the one calling the family out on, on whatever they might be doing, they're not going to like it. But what's important for you, because I am talking to you in this podcast, is you get your mental and emotional fitness in order and then protect it. Protect your emotions and protect your space. Boundaries will help you. And all the things I talk about in terms of growth and development are going to help you, but you need to become awake and aware to how things impact you. What's contagious for you? I don't know. Some people are very contagious when it comes to being around someone who's happy and joyful, and other people just hate that because it reminds them that they're not happy or it reminds, makes them feel like something's missing for them. So if, you know, depends on how you're wired, what environment or what space is going to be, you know, good for you or not good for you. So the next piece, I don't usually have a piece like this in my podcast, but I think based on some of the research I looked at, it, it, it was, it's worth it. So, and, and poss possibly also because I did a Newsweek article on Newsweek.com about bad managers. It's really sad the impact that a bad manager will have on employee productivity, employee motivation, employee absenteeism. Like it's really sad. It's it's actually a very costly item for for a business, a corporation or an association. And there's a huge ripple effect with bad managers. 
Here's the thing. Corporations, businesses, organizations have a huge opportunity because you're the employer to set the stage for what it is that you want to be contagious at your place of employment. You could create in your space, in your workplace, the environment and the situations that you want to be contagious. You could do that. And I do have a Newsweek.com article about corporations or businesses implementing a new playbook where growth and development, personal growth and development, is at the core of how the business operates. I'm not talking about a personal wellness program. They have their place. There's nothing wrong with a corporate wellness program. That's not the type of growth and development I'm talking about. I'm talking about deeply meaningful, impactful growth and development, the kind of which I provide in all of my podcasts and written materials and YouTube videos. That would change if you got one employee per team or two employees per team or work group or however you have your you know, employment setup, engaged, actively engaged in changing their lives for the better, there would be a ripple effect. Like it could become contagious and happiness and productivity and loving to come to work. Like you could have so many positive things become contagious at work if you made a few minor changes. And my only caveat to this is, you do, at this stage of the game, in this day and age, have to be careful about what materials you put forth because we do have some certain high-ranking gurus or whatnot that tell people happiness doesn't matter or that tell people your emotions don't matter. That's not true and it'll never be true. But people say that because they don't understand the science behind neuroplasticity or they don't know about psychoneuroimmunology or they don't know about the science and research about how happiness impacts health. I mean, like, who knows why they're saying it? But sometimes they say things that make a person who's had trauma, who they haven't, they don't recognize they've had trauma and they haven't dealt with it. Those kinds of statements and materials make people feel worse because they're really blaming the person who's had a trauma. Like, you know, so just, you just have to be careful about what you use. And, and unfortunately that's, that is the way it is. I'm, I'm actually appalled at some of the things that are out there being deemed as like good things to say. No, you did not train people to treat you badly. I do have a podcast by that title and I stand by that with 25 examples in the beginning of the podcast where someone might treat you badly or poorly or be mean or cruel that you had nothing to do with. Absolutely zero. And that's be before getting into the family dynamics. So there are things <clears throat> that are contagious that are, my, in my opinion, are just wrong. And that's one of them I just said. This, this idea that if someone treats you badly, it's your fault. Well, I implore you to listen to my podcast titled, Oh No, You Did Not Train People How to Treat You. And if you believe that I have it wrong, please get in touch with me. Get in touch with me right away. I'd like to see your evidence. I would like to see your evidence because if I am wrong, I will retract it. I don't like to be wrong and I don't, but I also have more of a commitment to providing accurate, healthy, truthful, real, valuable information. And little children never train their parents to be mean to them, to invalidate their feelings, to be abusive. No, no, that's not how it goes. Um, we do have also contagiously people who are being labeled badly because they don't agree with someone else. I don't know when we got to this point where if I don't agree with you, now I, I'm some nasty term, but that's, that's certainly going on and that's bullying, by the way. I don't have to agree with your beliefs. I do not have to hold your values. And if I don't hold your values, that does not make me a bad person. But we are doing that to people publicly. 
Another piece that's going on, which really breaks my heart, is this blaming people. Oh, if you're 25 or you're 35 and you're living in your parents' basement, you're a loser. How about if you're 25 or 35 or 40 or whatever, how about thank God you have parents who would, you know, nurture and support you? And how about thank God you're alive? Like, where, where are you coming from calling people losers without giving due credence to all the traumas that people are going through with no trauma support? Like, we're, we're not even talking about trauma. And this idea that it's normal and okay for siblings to bully and mistreat each other. And I have talked to parents about that who are like, so what? They have this so what attitude knowing that one or more of their children bullies or mistreats the other. Comparing someone's depression or belittling someone's depression and anxiety and comparing it to someone who has cancer. We don't compare problems or traumas because that's just not what we do. Someone could have a deep depression or anxiety because of trauma. And then to belittle their depression or anxiety and say, well, look at this person with cancer. I mean, we're just doing really bad things to people, in my opinion. And in the United States, in an eight-year period from 2000 to 2018, suicide increased by 37%. In eight years, suicide increased by 37%. And worldwide, suicide is the fourth leading cause of death for 15-year-olds to 29-year-olds. Does that not tell you that we have things in society that are contagious and bad and wrong? People would rather die than live a life. That's how much pain some people have. And by the way, not everyone who commits suicide has a mental health issue. They may be depressed, or they just may have felt their whole life that they never mattered to anyone. Drug use is up, you know, among 8th graders, 61%. We're, we're not being contagious for the right things. We are going in the wrong direction, which is also one of the reasons why I'm like, hint, hint, with business owners, hint, hint corporation leaders, hint, hint, CEOs and VPs. Let's bring love and affection to work. Let's bring rational thinking. Let's bring growth and development. Let's bring joy. Let's bring happiness. Let's bring things to work because people do spend 40 plus hours a week at work and that would make a difference. So my question for you is, what do you want to be contagious for? Isn't that, isn't that a great question? I don't know. I think it's a great question. Well, I don't know. Ask yourself. I mean, what are you contagious for right now? Love, affection, joy, happiness, being grumpy, being Debbie Downer. Like, I have no idea what you're contagious for. But this is a good question, in my humble opinion. Because, of course, what I want is the world to move towards love and affection rational thinking, standalone self-esteem, yes, that's a made-up term, emotional intelligence, learning happiness skills separate from your circumstances. If my happiness was tied to my circumstances, I would have had a miserable life, like miserable. But by the grace of God or by some miracle or by whatever, I learned how to be happy separate from my circumstances, which is what I re recommend. Self-care, self-compassion, personal growth, the widespread understanding of and acceptance of psychoneuroimmunology, that your mental health impacts your physical health, and your physical health impacts your mental health, and the widespread understanding and knowledge about trauma, trauma Blindness. Well, there's no such term as trauma blindness. That's my own made-up term right now. Well, we, I think we should have a term called trauma blindness because we are kind of blind to the, the, the significance and prevalence of trauma. But trauma responses, betrayal, trauma, betrayal, blindness, and trauma bonding 
should become everyday terms because that would be helpful to people, it would have a ripple effect. So what I'm saying is you have this one amazing life. And even if your life is in the toilet right now and your life is in the pits and you're in a domestic abuse situation or someone has stolen all your money or you've had this horrible trauma or a lifetime of traumas, you can have a different life. And looking at what's contagious and what you're susceptible for or to is going to be helpful. I have a couple other suggestions and to help you with this whole contagious piece, which number one is to get clear about what you want in your life. I don't know what you want in your life. What do you want in your life? Getting clear about what you want in your life is a good first step. Number two, then be intentional about who and what you will allow in your life. You might have to make some changes. Number three, learning assertiveness is extremely valuable. It will help you if you have low self-esteem. So there are great assertiveness training handbooks. I recommend the book called Your Perfect Right. There are two um, therapists who wrote that book. It's been in print since the 70s. But learn assertiveness. Number four, make a decision. Decide today how your life is going to go moving forward and then take action. Take the actions that will support your decision. My next suggestion is that you grow yourself like a boss. Listen, growth and development can be amazing and very, very fun. Do not buy into some BS that people are saying, oh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. Baloney. Baloney. Don't subscribe to that. Listen to my podcast about having more fun and play in your life and make your journey of growth and development fun and playful. Because it could be fun and playful. Listen, I'm just really realizing this year how guarded I am. And I am laughing about it with my friends. Like, growth and development does not have to be this, oh, it's going to be the hardest thing you ever did. Oh, it's going to be so much work. Stop that. Just stop that because it's not true. Or you could do it that way. You can go listen to somebody else and say, yep, he says it's going to be hard, so it's going to be hard. No. No, not for my people. My people are going to play, make a team, have a fun name, have cool parties and events and laugh like crazy as they're going, oh my gosh, I ran away from love too. Oh, you ran away from love too? Oh my gosh. And laugh and play together and grow together. My last suggestion is that you make love and affection, play, fun, and happiness predominant in your life. Like get busy making sure you have love and affection, play, fun, laughter, and happiness in your life as much as possible because that's going to be amazing. Like, it's really, like even when, you know, people like do bad things to you, you'll still be having a great time. And that, that annoys people, by the way. When people do bad stuff to you and you can just like, of course, Manage and process your emotions, people. We know that's the rule. But then on the other side, laugh and play and have fun. That'll just make all those people really mad. So for your takeaways, it's time to start to recognize how susceptible are you to the people around you, to your environments and situations, and then to begin to take any actions to protect your emotions, protect yourself, protect your space from negativity or unpleasant things. And obviously, take people with you on this fun journey. My last call to action is that you share this podcast on social media so we can start making the right things be contagious. None of that bad stuff. Let's start making fun, love, affection, play, happiness, joy. Let's start making rational thinking, standalone self-esteem, emotional intelligence. Let's start making that stuff contagious because that will change the world. That's it. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast. Episode number 120, It's Contagious. I hope you've gotten some new ideas 
about what you would like to be contagious for and how your environment and other people can impact how you feel. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. I would also request that you share this podcast on social media and definitely visit my website and download the emotional processing documents that I have and diagram. I love you. I hope you're hanging in there. That's it for now.